Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Jesus is everything God wants to communicate to everyone. He is the message of God that cannot be silenced. He is the culmination of God's Word and the fulfillment of the law and everything the Old Testament was pointing to. Cheryl's message titled, Jesus is God. All of a sudden when they look, they see Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah, and Jesus looks absolutely radiant, which I think is so interesting because Moses and Elijah have come from the presence of God and from heaven, but it's Jesus that outshines them. It's Jesus that is absolutely radiant. But Peter is so excited to be invited to this party that he wants to add something. So he says, can you imagine? Here's Jesus all radiant. He's in the midst of a conversation. Hey, Jesus, let's build three tabernacles. I got an idea. Let's build one to Moses. Let's build one to Elijah and one for you. And all of a sudden, God the Father, he's kind of lost his patience with Peter. He parts the clouds and he says, this is my beloved son. Jesus, hear him. Not Moses, not the prophets, but listen to Jesus because God is saying, he's my ultimate word. He's everything I want to say to men. Jesus is the message of God that cannot be ignored. He is the culmination of God's word. He is the culmination, the fulfillment of the law. The Old Testament was preparing men and women for this word. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to the word that would be spoken through the Messiah. John 5, 39, Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. In Luke chapter 24, as Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus with Cleopas and the other disciple, he takes them all the way from the very beginning of creation and he expounds to them through the Torah or the Pentateuch, through the prophets, through even the books of poetry, all the things concerning himself. And then in Psalm 40, Jesus said, prophetically through the spirit. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. This book doesn't make sense unless Jesus is right at the center of it. And then everything begins to make sense. And you see, it it unlocks it. You see why Abraham was called to sacrifice Isaac. Without Jesus, it doesn't make sense. You see why Joash, King Joash was hidden in the temple grounds. Why Athaliah reigned. 
He was hidden and then he was brought out to the people and proclaimed as king. You understand David's exile. You understand why David couldn't build the temple, but it had to go to the son of David to build the temple. It all makes sense. You see why Moses couldn't go into the promised land, but Joshua, which is the Hebrew, Yeshua, which is the same as the name Jesus, was the only one who could take the people into the promises of God. You see, Jesus unlocks the Bible. He makes all the promises make sense. He brings fulfillment and understanding to the law of God, to the sacrifices, to the rituals. They were all pointing and they all point to God's ultimate message through Jesus. Jesus is what God wants men to know about himself, the purpose and meaning of life, truth, love, grace, eternal life, power, joy, and salvation. Jesus is the message that men must listen to. They must believe, they must embrace and hold on to in order to be holy, in order to come into the community of God, in order to be partakers of the heavenly calling, to have confidence in life and confidence in death, to have rejoicing in hope, to have rest, and to inherit all the promises of God. This comes when we listen, listen to the message of Jesus and the message that is Jesus. Hebrews 3 declares the superiority of God's message through Jesus. Hebrews 3.1, the author says, consider, consider the apostle and high priest of our faith. Another translation is fix your eyes on this. Think about this. Take time to mull this over, to process this, what this means. In order to do this, you're going to have to shut out the competing voices because Jesus is the most important message that you will ever hear. You must give attention to it. You must consider it. You must heed it. Jesus is the apostle, the one sent from God, the word of God coming into this world. He is the high priest of our confession, the only intercessor between God and man, the only intercessor, the only one who is God and who is, who is God and who is man, the only one who can truly intercede for man because he understands man and he became man. The only one who can intercede for God because only Jesus thoroughly knows the Father and the desires of the Father, the heart of the Father, the plan of the Father. Our confession, what is this? This is the body of our faith. It is what we learn about God, God's word, God's son, and God's work through Jesus Christ. We must hold on to this. And Jesus is the intercessor of this word, this confession. The message of Jesus is superior to the message of Moses. One, because Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses served the Lord, but Jesus is the son over the house of God. He is the one that Moses ultimately served. Everything that Moses did and taught and said to the children of Israel was a foreshadowing 
of Jesus, the message of God. The tabernacle itself was a typology of Jesus Christ. On the outside, it was covered with goat skin. It looked like every other tent in Israel. Oh, but when you stepped in, the weavings, the gold, the silver, which could only be seen as you stepped in to the tabernacle, the glory. So John said that Jesus came and he tabernacled among us. He is the ultimate temple of God. The law which Moses gave was a foreshadowing of the perfection of Jesus, the perfection that no other man could attain to but Jesus. The rituals and the sacrifice all pointed to the work that Christ would do to make us right with God when he would forgive our sins. It all pointed to Jesus. Jesus is the message. Moses came with the message that foreshadowed the great message of Jesus. Jesus is greater. He is the builder of the house. Jasmine put it like this, and I only found this out in leaders meeting, and I said to Jasmine, I'm taking that. I'm taking that. She said, Moses is the butler who lets you into the house, opens the door into the house, but you don't praise the butler. You don't say, oh, I love what you've done with this house. I love the design. I love the, uh, the decoration. I mean, you must have earned all this to build something like this. And Butler's like, hey, I only work here for a great master. And I love my master. Jesus is the builder. Jesus is the architect. Jesus is the owner of the house. The whole house reflects Jesus. It speaks of Jesus. Jesus' message is greater than the message of Moses. It has greater promises. Moses couldn't enter the promised land. It has greater power. The law could not make anyone perfect. It only told you about your imperfections and how you needed a savior. Jesus' message is greater because the consequences for refusing it are greater. Moses was faithful in his service, but Moses was not perfect. He was a murderer, and he misrepresented God at the waters of Meribah when he struck the rock rather than speaking to the rock. Jesus is the builder of the house. He is the one who created the whole world. He is the source of God's word. He is the reason for God's word. He is the agency of God's word, and he is God's word. Jesus is perfect. He's absolutely perfect. He alone can handle power. You see, none of us could handle being over that house. Now, you might think, I could handle being over a mansion. I'm telling you right now, you couldn't. You couldn't. You, you would get so conceited. You would say, you know, if only you were like me, you could have a mansion too. I, I, I was talking to this girl, and she says to me, why is my marriage struggling? I did everything right during the engagement. Everything right. I said, that's why. That's why you're struggling with your marriage. Because you tried to be Miss Perfect. And what would happen? If your marriage was really good right now, you would tell everybody, do what I did. Follow my example. Let me write out my instructions, my methodology. And then they'd be looking to your methodology. They'd be looking to you and they wouldn't be looking to Jesus for a good marriage. So God, God 
ruined your perfection. It's a God thing. And I'm so glad he did because you couldn't handle the perfection. If, if we did everything right, we would be so miserable to be around because just when we get those little things right, we're just like, I, sh- I should write a book. I need to instruct others. You know, I always do everything right. I never do anything wrong. You know how I learned that song? It was what my parents used to sing to each other. And it wasn't in good times that they would sing it to each other. (laughs) Jesus alone can handle power. He alone. I mean, think about this. No president is safe with the power that he gets. I'm sorry, no president is safe with that much power. They're going to make bad moves. Anyone in that position is going to make a wrong move at some time. And it's going to cause all sorts of ramifications to everybody. But Jesus alone is safe with that office. Jesus alone is the best high priest we could ever, ever have. No other high priest could guarantee our safety in his company, but Jesus. Oh, we're safe with Jesus. All that power is invested with Jesus. And guess what? He's still gracious. He's still kind. He's still loving. He's still humble. Only Jesus. Only Jesus is safe with the fullness of God dwelling bodily in him. And we are safe with Jesus alone. There's a danger to ignoring or neglecting the great message of God. And he points to the message of Moses. If there were consequences to disobeying or neglecting Moses' message, which was inferior to the great message of Jesus Christ. And and this is an argument from the lesser to the greater. If ignoring the message of Moses had consequences, so much more ignoring the message of Jesus Christ. The author is uh, using the Psalms to talk about an incident that happened in the book of Numbers. And what happened in the book of Numbers Uh, Numbers 13 and 14, is that the Israelites, after walking with God, after being delivered out of Egypt, having the Red Sea part before them, having the cloud cover by day and the pillar of night, the visible, the visible presence of God that could be seen by all the people, after seeing Mount Sinai, where the thunder thundered around it, where the lightning struck, where the mountain shook, after receiving the sweetened waters that had been bitter, but the tree was thrown into it and it was made sweet. After being valiant over the attacks of the Amalekites, as Moses sat on the mountain raising his hand, after receiving water out of a rock, every day the faithful manna from heaven, they come to the very edge. It's time to go into the promised land. The 10 spies go in. Of those spies, to come back and said, I'm sorry, 12 spies, to come back and say, oh my goodness, the land is wonderful. Look at these grapes that we've gotten. It's all good. It's so great. But the other spies say, oh no, it's got giants. It's got fortresses. It's got armies. It, 
no, 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 this is not good. I can't believe that's the land God promised us. There, you know, and the people begin to cry and they begin to wail saying, God, God has failed us. He brought us this far just to kill us. Don't judge these people. Judge not lest ye be judged. Because God has done so much for us and he brings us right to the edge of of receiving all the promises. And we say, oh, I'm going to die. This trial is going to take me down. This is the one. And this is what the children of Israel did. And they refused to go into the promised land because they did not believe the word of the Lord. They didn't believe that the promises were really on the other side and that God would take down the giants and God would make the walls fall down of all the fortresses and give them the victory, just as he promised. Even though God had been so faithful, even though God had already done so many great things for them, it said they forgot, they forgot. And so they couldn't enter in to the promise. And this is what God said. Well, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. That was the way God God saw that. When they refused to believe, God called it the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This is the consequence of ignoring the message. It causes the heart to be hardened. Every time you put off the conviction of the Holy Spirit, every time that it's not given priority, a little callus develops on your heart and gets harder and harder every time it's left unattended. The heart becomes more calloused to the word of God until you stop hearing the word of God. Years ago, I was in an afterglow and I was leading it. And I had this vision. And I had a vision of a black velvet bag filled with ashes that was in the back of a closet. And I had felt the spirit say to me, it's bitterness and I want you to announce it. And I remember I'm leading the afterglow and I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm not really a vision person. I mean, I'm more like I'm leading this afterglow. This is what I'm saying to God. Can you believe it? Well, I'm trying to be open to the Holy Spirit and lead these women and worship. I'm arguing with the Lord, telling him I don't want to give the vision because I don't want people to look at me like a person who gives visions. I'm all worried about my reputation. Can I just be like the cool person who just leads? You know, I, I don't really want to participate. I just want to lead. And I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, if you neglect this now, I won't speak to you again. And I said, I see, I see a black velvet bag. It's filled with ashes. The ashes represent bitterness. It's in the back of the closet. A girl screams from the back of the audience. Screams like, ah, that's me. I have my mother's ashes in a black velvet bag in my closet at home. And I'm so bitter at the Lord that he allowed my mother to be murdered. Now what? I said, I don't know. That's all I got. (laughs) You know, you around her, surround her. Let's pray for her. She stood, laid hands on her. We prayed for her. 
But I'll never forget that. If you harden your heart, Cheryl, if you refuse, because I was in my 20s, right? If you refuse this word, if you don't move on this, that I'm speaking to you, you're not, you're going to not hear me. And I'll tell you, if there's one thing I want, I want a sensitivity to hear the voice of the Lord. I want to know, as it says in Isaiah, you will hear a voice behind you saying, go to the right or go to the left. I want to hear the voice of the Lord. But every time I don't give it priority, even as a believer, my heart will harden and rebellion will ensue. When we refuse to obey God's message, we're going to listen to another message that will lead us away from God that will cause us to go astray in our hearts. And why do we do this? Because we do not know God's way. We do not know God's ways, that God's ways are good, that God's ways are gracious and merciful. And we often assume that God is saying something he's not or requiring something that he's not or assuming that God is something that he isn't. How many times we think that God is cruel or arbitrary when God is good and God is gracious and God is kind? And we assume that God is doing something that he's not doing. We assume that he's breaking us when he is getting ready to build us. And we lose out on the promises of God. We never reach the destination that God intends. We never fulfill the purposes that God has for us. And we never receive the blessings that God wants to bestow. I was telling um, the women in leaders meeting, it just came to me while we were there because I had forgotten this incident. But I was in high school and I had this craving for the -the jack-in-the-box tacos. And so there was a long queue or line of cars, but I went through it. I gave my order to the clown and I came around and I paid my money and I drove off without my tacos. And I didn't realize it till I was like two blocks away. You know, like, where are the tacos? I had paid my money. I had been in that line. I had ordered them and I didn't go back. I didn't go back, one, because I didn't want to get in that line again. Two, I didn't want them to remember or recognize me. The girl who pays for tacos, just have a nice day, give them to the poor. But I think so many times we're like that in our, in our Christian walk. We're, you know, we're waiting in line, we're, we're, we're investing, we're investing our lives, we're giving up things, and we're so close to the tacos. So close to the promises of God where we can eat, where we can taste them. And it's then we just drive off. We drive off and we never get the tacos. And you don't, we need, we need to hold on. And this is what he says, hold on. Get a grasp of this. Don't leave without the tacos. And so if you don't get anything else, remember, do not leave without the tacos. But we are to learn from their example. When you are tested, we will all have a day of testing, a day of trial. When things go wrong, when hardships ensue, when persecution arises, this is the time to listen, to heed God's word. It's the time to draw closer to the Lord and put your ear as close to him as possible, to hold fast the confidence 
that we have in Christ, to hold fast what he has promised us, to hold fast onto what he has done for us and what we have received from him, to hold fast to the joyful hope that we have in Jesus and to resist a heart of unbelief, to resist those voices that are telling you that your way is better, to resist the voices that offer an alternative to what God's word says. And the alternatives is deceitfulness of sin. This is gonna get you where you wanna go. Do it this way. Or the false promises of sin and rebellion. Jesus unlocks the Bible for us. As we read it through the lens of Jesus, we see that through him, all the promises make sense. He brings fulfillment and understanding to the law, sacrifices and rituals, as they were all pointing to him. Jesus is what God wants us to know about him. He is the meaning and purpose of life, truth, love, grace, joy, and salvation. Jesus is the message we need and must listen to. As we do, we will enter into all the promises of God and have confidence in this life and rejoice in the hope of heaven. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll finish our study on Hebrews 3 as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.